Just like Heroku did with the 12-factor app, AWS created the well-architected framework to document the best practices they observed running workloads in the cloud. The well-architected framework started as a white paper in 2015, but went to center stage during Werner Vogel's keynote at reInvent 2016. As of today, it is massive, consisting of six core white papers that total over 400 pages. It would be easy to dismiss it as boring, long-winded documentation, but doing so would be a big mistake. There is a lot of gold to be found if you are willing to dig. In this episode, John and Chris kick off a three-part series. They grab their shovels and dig deep into the well-architected framework. Welcome to MobiCast, a show about the techniques and technologies used by the best cloud-native software teams. Each week, your hosts John Christensen and Chris Hickman pick a software concept and dive deep to figure it out. Welcome, Chris. It's another episode of MobiCast. Hey, John. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. So we're missing Rich today. Um, we'll do our best to produce this show on our own, but uh, we have a lot to cover. We're going to go over the AWS Well-Architected Framework. This might take a couple of episodes just because it's got five pillars and each one of those is so huge, holding up so much information, um, but it's all really good stuff. Uh, so we can't do our normal pleasantries. We have to go right into it. Chris, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, last last episode, we... We were talking about software architecture um, under the the guise of a 12-factor app framework. And so, obviously, 12 factors that we went through. Um, and, uh, you know, today we're going to come at it from a different different approach with AWS has their well, well-architected framework, right? Which is all about answering the question, are you well-architected? And so, it's a different, it's a, it's a different lens, right, of, of looking at your architecture. Um, and as you mentioned, core to that there's there's five pillars mm-hmm. basically subject subject areas um to go focus in on your on your architecture and you know the 12 factor app obviously we had 12 things to talk about um so it might seem like the 12 factor app wow that's that's more to cover there um and the truth is absolutely not the case at all the well architected framework is massive and it's in its scale it's 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 very very comprehensive each one of those pillars can go really deep um, with many design principles and focus areas, best practices. There is very much just a, a wealth of information there. Sometimes it's kind of hard to unpack, and that's what we're going to try to do with this episode. Yeah, right, Chris, and sorry to interrupt, but I, I was going to say that another difference for me is just that the 12-factor app really feels technical. It just feels like this is, as a software developer, these are a bunch of things that you can think about when you're writing an application. And the well-architected framework, I feel like, and this could be wrong, but I feel like it's easier, and we'll see this, well, it's easier to draw the lines between the pillars and the business needs. Um, so I do feel like this sort of steps up a level and kind of keeps the whole the whole purpose of software in mind and, and you know how much it costs and what other things could happen that might impact your business. Uh, when you're talking about the well-architected framework, um, and it's not just purely technical for techno- technology's sake, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the the 12-factor app is really good for what it's designed for, and it really is really focused on an application and mm-hmm. the pragmatic things of that go into building and deploying and operating a an application. 
especially like on a on a PaaS platform like like Heroku. Sure. Um, yeah. And so it's not looking at things like you know, hey, am I optimizing my, you know, how does this affect cost? Like, am, am I being, am I being efficient with, you know, how I'm spending money? Like, how much is it going to cost to to run this and operate it? Do I have the right people to do it? Am I meeting the needs from the business? And what about compliance issues and whatnot? So the well-architected framework, just much more comprehensive. It's literally, it, it completely subsumes the 12-factor app and then some, right? So, um, yep, yep. So like I said, a lot, so we probably a lot. better we probably better say what it is, or we could spend the entire yeah, episode absolutely. talking about like how it's different than the twelve factor app without ever actually saying what it is. Let's do it. Right. Let's say what right. it is. Right. So so the the well architected framework, it's it's basically it's it's documented a set a set of foundational questions to help determine if a specific architecture aligns with what are deemed cloud best practices. Right. And so what it's doing is it's, it's giving you a, a it's providing a, cons, a consist, consistent approach to evaluating your architectures against those best practices. And then it can also it's going to help advise what changes might be necessary to bring that into alignment. And so as part of this framework, it's, it's really three main things that is that is comprised of. So one is general design principles. Two are the pillars. So there's five pillars mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of hold up this this framework. And then the 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 third um, component would be the actual review. Um, so this is a series of of questions that you go through that are um, related to each one of these pillars and subsections and focus areas inside those pillars. And um, basically, just at, you go through and and ask yourself these questions, and and that kind of gives rise to okay, what changes do I need to make? So it's it's those it's those three components that go into it. There are supplements to this as well um, that we'll we'll get into um, later. So the well architected framework is documented via like white papers and there's also um, uh, HTML web page versions of that as well. Um, there is something that's that's newish is the the well architected tool um, okay. and um, which is actually pretty pretty useful and um, uh, really helps you do this review process and keep track of it and whatnot. So we'll 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 get into that as well as we as we go through this. I mean, that sounds great. And and I guess as we get into it, I'll say from my perspective, you'll be teaching me. Like I, I know in general some of the principles, and I've certainly been around it enough that I've done through osmosis. I've picked up a lot of it. But uh, it'll be interesting to kind of get a little deeper into it, especially because what I'll tell you is that my first impression of it is like, oh my God, a vomit of like information that is not that useful for somebody that already knows what they're doing. Get away from me. You know, like that, uh, there's a little bit of that in my, in my mind when I see this amount of just documentation thrown out there. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, get over yourselves, right? Like a little bit of me says that. Um, but I think, I think what's starting to happen is that you looked into it this this week more deeply in order to prepare for this. And, you know, uh, the surprise might be like, ah, oh, there's some real gems in here and some things that if you just follow this, you're unlikely to go wrong. Like this is sort of like, it could be like the, the map to, to being, a, um, to do your job as a software architect. Like if just follow this map to the treasure. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just that the map is like 5,000 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, Kind of talk about. I mean, there is a wealth of information here. It is 
there's so much to wade through and it's, and it really is kind of difficult to unpack it in some, in some mm-hmm. regards, but it is a treasure trove like this, uh-huh. like they have, they have, AWS has spent a lot of time on this. Right. I think they first rolled out the well-architected framework in 2015. This is something that they continually are updating. It's based upon like what they internally do at AWS and Amazon, uh-huh. right? Like how they're actually building things. So it, it's this is very very practical, real world. I mean, these everything. I mean, none of this is like you know. Theoretical, it's not academic or right ivory tower. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Do you, get sense, do you get the sense that it's like kind of Werner, Werner Vogel's like baby, if you will? Like, this is kind of the office of the CTO. If there was one thing that they produced, it's, it's kind of this. I don't know if I would say it's Werner's baby, um, because I kind of see Werner more as like technology and vision, and mm-hmm. this is much more along the lines of like your VP of engineering type thing right so i mean that said i mean it's it he he was the one that did un, unveil it and whatnot but i would mm-hmm. think that like his his interests are aligned more with like things like dynamo db and and you know technology in general and um you know things like bringing blockchain to the to the cloud and and whatnot as opposed to like how do you actually build deploy operate systems right like what are all the the, the check boxes that you need um to to do something like that i mean obviously he's he's interested in it right but i just i i don't think that that would be necessarily like his his passion mm-hmm. interesting yeah. and if, if more Werner is listening he can he can let us know <laughs> yes, yeah 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 but let us know Werner. yeah so <laughs> go ahead um, right I, I think we're going to talk about general design principles Right. Yeah. I mean, and so really what kind of like the, the, you know, the overall like philosophy of this is just, it's this well-architected framework is saying, look, what you did in the past for like on-prem type um, applications, everything has changed. Like cloud native has changed everything. Right. So, so there's some, some just core general design principles here that you need to just really embrace. Right. If you are going to be cloud native. So Things like you know, you no longer have to guess capacity needs. Um, I want to stop you there because I, I mean, who knows who our audience is? Like podcasting is the worst for figuring out who actually listens to you. If you listen to this, please let us know who you are so we can like get you the right information that you want. But like, I'm guessing that not that many people that listen to this have ever had to guess capacity needs, right? Like that's, that's like two thousand year 2000 through 2005 stuff. Like that's over 10 years ago that people were doing that. So I don't know. It's just like, that doesn't feel like a relevant point anymore. Like mm-hmm. if, unless you're talking to the inter, you know, old slow moving enterprises and then it's like a sale, it's almost like a sales pitch, like stop guessing capacity needs. You know, I, I think, I mean, we're so close to this that it, uh-huh. it may feel that way. And I, but I think like real world, like this is still, still something to, to be thinking about, right? Like there's still a lot of people that are, that are on-prem that are not in the cloud yet, or they're just working to go hybrid. Um, uh-huh. it, there's a lot of code out there that's still on-prem. Yeah. It, it's hard to believe, right? But I mean, right. it really is the case. And, and call up Dell and order a bunch of servers or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even when people do move to the cloud, right? Like, and, and that's part of like what this general design principle is, is trying to get at is that like when people do move from on-prem to the cloud, they kind of use the same models, right? So 
they're just thinking about, okay, I don't have a server on a rack in my on-premise data center anymore, so I spin up a server in in the cloud, you know, in EC2. Yeah. And I'm just now managing that, right? Right, um, right. And so, so then you're then, still guessing capacity, how many EC2s yeah, am I going to ab- Absolutely, right? Because, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, are you really taking, taking advantage of auto-scaling? Um, you know, mm-hmm. are you wiring that in with your scale up and scale down policies, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so that's what this is all about, right? Is just saying like, you know, stop guessing your capacity needs. Like this is a game changer in the cloud now, right? And so, yeah. so you need to embrace that. So going through um, some more general design principles, another one would be, you know, you can now test at scale. So before that was very difficult because you had to over, you know, you just had to buy a bunch of capacity, right, in order to do that. Now it's like you can just spin up infrastructure on on a on a moment's notice as much as you need, and then when you're done with it, tear it all down. Um, so testing mm-hmm. at scale is just totally something you can do now. Um, yeah. uh, another general design principle is just to automate all the things to make experimentation easier, right? So you can use um, infrastructure as code in the form of things like cloud formation to rapidly like spin up these environments and the infrastructure you need to go do experiments and test. Um, and again, like the cloud has enabled this, like this is stuff that, you know, in the on-prem world, much more difficult to do. I don't know, for those on the inside, if you're listening and you're like, you've been doing AWS for a long time and you played with cloud formation, that one might ring a little hollow. Like, yeah, experimentation didn't actually get it any easier because now I'm spending all of my time babysitting cloud formation templates and waiting for them to spin up and spin down. And, and I thought I was going to be able to do experiments. So there's a little bit of a like, oh, feeling that I get from that because cloud formation is very time consuming to tinker with. Like, Yes, once you have it nailed, okay, now I can spin up an environment easily with one mm-hmm. command. But but you pay for that, right? And a lot of tinkering and waiting for environments to spin up just a little bit wrong, and then oh man, and I've got to try that again. You get it? Oh, it's still a little bit wrong. Like now you just lost half a day. Those in those two statements. Mm-hmm. So anyway, something to something to kind of push back on AWS and, and their mm-hmm. all their magic is is that that's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of that is just you know where your your how far along you are in, in maturity on you know adopting those kind of things, right? So it's like we're, we're, it's it's all a journey, and for some people, like you know, they're doing it in bits and pieces, right? Or they're just starting that journey, and then there are folks out there that are really like have embraced this and been doing it for years, and for them, right. like you know, doing it really is like yeah. very easy for them to to spin this stuff up, right? They're not doing a lot yeah. of that troubleshooting. Um, exactly. So, you know, it's it's it maybe just the important point here is that just now you have the opportunity to to leverage mm-hmm. that, right? Like, mm-hmm. actually getting there is is maybe hard, but yeah, it's 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 there now, right? Yeah. Um, you know, some other design principles drive architectures um, using data, um, so you can now make fact based decisions on how to improve your workload. You know, I'm not so sure that um, that's necessarily specific to the cloud versus on-prem, but definitely something that we want to do in a, in a modern app. In, in a modern app, right, is to sure. have that feedback loop where we're we're collecting the telemetry, we're looking at the metrics, um, and that is informing us on like what what needs to be changed and how do we make improvements, and then be able to measure the effects of those changes to make sure mm-hmm. that it truly is an improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With cloud, we, want, we definitely want to allow for evolutionary architectures. So, you know, you never want to be stuck with a particular technology. And so this is, 
you know, it's, it's still the challenge, but I think, yeah, definitely in cloud, it, it, it becomes a bit easier um, to do, right? Because you have um, a, a great toolbox to work from um, and you can, you know, get these, these services and options and features as managed services that, you know, you don't have to go and stand up a box and install software and run it and whatnot. So if you want to try a new NoSQL technology, it becomes much easier, right? If you want to, you know, caching or, or, or whatnot, or backup or um, multiple networks and peering and whatnot. I mean, all that stuff is much easier to do in, in the cloud as opposed to on-prem. Right. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, you know, another um, design principle is, is to improve through game days, um, which, you know, again, I, not necessarily cloud specific, but I think the cloud makes this a lot easier to do. Can you help me know what a game day is? Yeah. So um, it's kind of interesting. I mean, game day is like the, it's kind of like misnamed in a way. Cause it's like, it almost feels like it should be called like scrimmage. Um, and so, mm-hmm. cause what you're doing. So a game day is when you are purposely setting aside time to go and simulate things that um, can happen that can go wrong um, and then how you deal with them. Right. So it's like, um, let's have a game day where we, we test what happens if a whole AZ goes down um, and what happens there. Or let's have a game day where we're just going to go and make sure that we can um, uh, let's simulate a database failure where we have to restore um, from a backup. Right. And just Uh, do that. So it's, it's, so it's going through and and doing these, you know, practicing these things um, and practice responding to, um, you know, time critical um, failures and, and um, you know, other exceptional events that um, you want to be able to practice and make sure that you can do it um, and not find out that, you know, Hey, we, really didn't have this button down when it happens in real life. Right. So right. It's, it's practicing those things that we normally don't do. Um, and those are game days. Got it. Right. It sounds luxurious, honestly, like that sounds so fun and great, but it's also like a whole day of your team, not doing anything, uh, for, you know, not building features or not, um, dealing with customer issues or whatever it is, like a whole day of just like imagining it, um, a black swan event happening and making sure you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it does, like, it's so important, but at the same time, it's also luxury. It's like a luxury for a lot of companies, I think. So th- this is a good point. Um, and this is something definitely to kind of call out And as we go through this well-architected framework. Um, and so this is a very comprehensive framework and this Mm -hmm. is geared towards like the most sophisticated systems and workloads that you could you could run um and for budgets you know very big and for you know systems that can handle millions of requests billions of requests um millions of users type thing down to you know the, the 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 other end of the spectrum so you know as we as we talk about this and go through that i mean this is where some of the um the complexity comes in is trying to figure out, okay, what's really applicable to me, right? Like, so yeah, there's these five pillars and each one of these pillars has its focus areas and has its best practices. And as we go through the, the, the review, you know, there's going to be questions that ask us about this or that. You have to, you have to look at your own situation and say, you know what, like 
that's not something that we're going to do, right? From a pragmatic standpoint, like we don't need to survive right. like a region failure. Like it's just, right, right. it's just not something that we're going to, you know, invest the time and money on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, likewise, it may be like, and, and, and uh, it's like, why, why wouldn't you need to survive that? And it's because, you know, if 90, if like 90% of the services in this region go down um, and they're just not available, like our little company is going to be the least of people's worries in a lot of cases, right? Like mm-hmm. everything else they do is also going to stop working. So yep. And, and, and it's very much like a, you know, a cost issue. Um, yeah. so it, it becomes, it's, I mean, to do all of this stuff becomes very expensive, both from a, from mm-hmm. just an actual, like what my, what my bill from AWS looks like as, and versus like just the amount of time and resources that goes into building and maintaining and operating these things. Right. So, mm-hmm. so that's going to be, that's the challenge for, for all of us as we kind of look through this lens of the well architecture framework is, what's the right level of architecturedness for you? Um, That's right? a, a hard thing that, that, that they left as an exercise for the reader though, don't you think? It's like, um, wouldn't it be nice if it, if it wasn't just like, here's a perfect architecture and like, good luck getting as close to this as you can. Instead of like, here's a perfect architecture, like here's like kind of ways of identifying which what you should like how to make these trade-offs because these trade-offs are the hard like this is there's kind of magic in these trade-offs right it comes from years of experience knowing yeah don't chase that down it's really not going to likely happen so let's spend our money building this new thing instead of you know worrying about that potential thing like that ends up being the magic of being a software architect or a or a leader in engineering um and i feel like this helps you not miss anything that you should be thinking of, but it doesn't help you make the decisions necessarily. Like it doesn't, it doesn't help you know if it's okay to, and maybe, I, maybe it does. And we just haven't got to that part yet. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I think it, it, you know, it's for the most part, it's not even addressed. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, but that said, I, I mean, I think like this concept of like, if you, you can imagine like a slider, right? Um, and mm-hmm. going from, you know, at the very far left, it's like this is like the minimal, you know, amount of work to do for like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to. It's running. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just, yeah, it's, it's serving some requests. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Like maybe now, maybe not, but um, versus on the far right, right. Like this is completely buttoned up. This is, you know, you're doing game days, you can support region failures and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine like that slider being able to drag it to like whatever your threshold is. Right. Um, and then it would, it would pick out the relevant parts of the well architect framework and the relevant questions um, and the relevant action items, um, you know, commensurate with that. So it would, I, there's definitely some opportunity there to, to do like, that seems really straightforward to do, and, and maybe they will do it. In the, right, in the but future. if they don't, guess who is going to do it? We mm-hmm. are. We're mm-hmm. going to do that. We're going to help you figure this out. Stick mm-hmm. with us. We are going to help you learn the stuff you need to know to, to be able to make these decisions. So yeah, we'll stand in AWS instead for a bit. But in the meantime, let's figure out what AWS wants, wants you to do. Let's keep going. Right. All right. So like we said, the three three components, design principles, the pillars, and then the 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 questions and answer the review itself, right? So we went through the design principles. So next up's the pillars. Um, as I mentioned, there's five pillars, um, and these are these are big, comprehensive um, areas of of focus. And so maybe just quickly, 
running through the five, the five pillars. So you have operational excellence, you have security, you have reliability, mm-hmm. you have performance efficiency, and you have cost optimization. Right. So those are the five, five broad areas and everything that goes into being a well-architected workload will fall into one or more of those, those pillars. You, you just used the word workload. Is that, I, I haven't really used that in my career until I started doing AWS stuff. Is that kind of an AWS-y term or is it, is it really a more broad term and everybody, or, or a more recent term or I, I don't know why it is, but I just haven't said workloads until I started doing a bunch of AWS stuff. You? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, I think it is kind of a AWS preferred term. Um, and, you know, they're using it in context of like, what are the components to do some, to provide some business value, right? Yeah. So it's the, the architecture. Or it might be storing there. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it might be computing something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, you need something, some, some word to describe it, right? So like you, we might say like like web application, right, or something like that, or mm-hmm. um, you know. Demon. Yeah, I guess that's why I started using it is because I was like, oh, that's a handy term. It makes mm-hmm. sense. It's clear what it means, and I didn't have a word for that before. Now I do. Right. Cool. Yep. So yeah. So moving on to the the first pillar, um, operational excellence. Right. So this this one's all about the the ability to run and monitor systems to deliver business value and to continuously improve supporting your supporting processes and procedures. Right. So pretty, pretty straightforward here, right? This is like, okay, you, you have your, your workload and you want to run and monitor it and you want to get better as time, time goes on. Right. So that's, that's about operational excellence. And this is, this is a big one too, right? Because there's a lot that goes into it. Like, yeah, I touched on this before. Like, this is actually one of those things that really separates the 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 you know the medium performing teams from like the really top notch performing teams. Is like it's it's kind of I mean it's pretty straightforward, right? To build an application, deploy it, stand it up, right, and start taking requests. Um, it's another thing to do that at scale and to do it reliably and um, everything else that goes into that, right? Like it's well, a lot of times I think the real work starts once you go into prod, right? Once you go, right. To, right, once you go to production, it's like, okay, like there's a lot of stuff here that goes on, especially if you, you know, have some, some requirements where you, you have to be, you know, have some sort of uptime, you know, whether it be three nines or four nines or whatever it may be. Um, so that's what this pillar is all about. Yeah. It's like, I, the picture I have in my mind is when the jets get fueled in air, in midair, like that's, that's when you can do that, then you're starting to approach operational excellence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's like just one small slice of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, there's also the, you know, I mean, there's everything that goes into that, um, you know, as well, like, okay, how do we actually locate you in 3d space? Um, and you know, how do we, you know, hook these two planes up and it just everything else that goes along, along with it. Um, and do it while you're flying 600 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the, the design principles that, that form this, this, this particular pillar. So, uh, one would be to, um, 
you want to perform operations as code. And so this is a, it's a really strong theme throughout the entire well-architected framework and everything that, you know, AWS does is just automate as much as possible, right? Like if, if it's something that can be automated, do it, you know, like spend, spend the resources, spend the time to do it, really root out all the manual steps, anything that has to be manually performed like that, you need to see, like, ask yourself, can I, can I automate this? Can I have a right. computer do it? Right. right. So, so that's what, you know, so that's a general design principle here is like, if you can automate it and have code do your operations, then that's what you want to strive for. Uh, another principle is annotate documentation. Um, so the idea here is that, um, you know, there's some amount of documentation that's, that's manually produced, but then it should be supplemented with automation, with, with code, right? It should be able to build that up. So it can, whether it may be like documenting an architecture or a code base or run books and procedures and whatnot, just again, thinking of documentation, not as like this static thing that someone has to go update, you know, in a, in a, in an editor, but instead more of a, of a, of a living thing that can be more easily updated. Right. That updates itself as you update your application. Mm, yeah. So another design principle is to make frequent, small, reversible changes. So uh, probably, I mean, that goes without, like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but it's so hard for companies. Oh my goodness. I think it's, I think it's particularly hard for, for companies that are led by folks that don't have a lot of experience with technology. They just love the big bang of like, look at all these great shiny new features. I mean, and, and there's truth in it, right? Like Apple still releases one big iOS re- release a year that has big shiny new features and they're all packaged together. And it's sort of, you know, a hundred percent against this principle. Like the better, more safe, more automated, more well-architected way of doing it would be if each of those features came out a little bit at a time, small changes, maybe even only to a few people at a time to limit blast radius if there's a problem. Like that's what it, that's what AWS is saying to do, and it's obviously what they do inside of AWS. Like the feature rollouts with AWS are constant; they're never ceasing. Um, and you know, Apple's getting more that way with iOS too. I'm, every once in a while, I'm like, oh yeah, look at that, that's new. And there was no big media event around it, but but I think people that are in traditional companies running, you know, used to doing things the old way, it's really hard for them to to let go of like big bang releases. And uh, we work really hard uh, as a consulting company to try to, to break that habit, but um, we are not always successful. And we do end up with, you know, high risk releases. Yeah. And it's, it's also, I mean, like in the example you give with, with Apple, I mean, um, you know, they're definitely doing this with their, with their backend services. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's yeah. just, it's like client code, right? Like actual, you know, app you know mobile this is your mobile ios um you know your actual operating system software right so so that world is definitely more of the the big the big release um Mm -hmm. things uh which it has a marketing you know it works in marketing and so uh, i when it comes to aligning software to business value that is important Uh, Mm -hmm. so so that consumer facing stuff probably does need to keep behaving that way to an extent. It's a bit of a user um, education issue too, right? Like mm-hmm. it'd be really probably kind of confusing if like every time you open up your phone, <laughs> like 
brand new ways of doing something, you know, or right. Yes. Right. It's like, how do you keep track of what it is? And so I think that probably goes into this as, as well, but anyway, when we're, when we're talking about workloads, this definitely frequent small reversible changes um, is definitely mm-hmm. the way to go. You know, another core design principle here is to make sure you're refining your operations, operations procedures frequently. Um, so again, you're, you're continually learning, you're continually um, improving, you know, you're never done. So always be ruthlessly looking at your operations and like, how can we improve? Another principle is anticipate failure, um, right? So it's, failures are going to happen. So prepare for it. So absolutely, think about like what can go wrong um, and then how are you going to address that? Um, how are you going to remediate that? And, you know, which failures are you not going to um, be concerned with? And even the smallest, smallest team can take a few, you know, a few minutes or an hour or two here and there to think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, make sure you just learn from your operational failures, right? So when things do go wrong, which they will, you know, do the analysis, do the, um, do the investigation to figure out, okay, how did this happen? You know, what went wrong and what, what changes do we need to make so that something like this doesn't happen in the future? So, so that learning process. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right. Um, operationally excellent. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so the, they, uh, they do point out like the key service, the key AWS service here in for this pillar is, is cloud formation, right? Um, so cloud formation is the infrastructure as code product that they offer that allows you to basically codify, right? What your infrastructure looks like for running your operations um, for anything and everything, right? Not just like what servers get stood up and how application code gets deployed, but also, you know, what alerts um, get created, what, what events are being, are being tracked and whatnot. So all that can be expressed via, via code. Um, and so cloud formation is a key part of that. Right. And AWS is doing a better job recently. I've noticed this year, they're doing a better job of making sure that things are cloud formation ready when they're released. Uh, there was a, there was quite a while where people were getting upset that new services kept coming out without CloudFormation support. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be less and less common now. Yeah, I know that I, just at the last reInvent that they mentioned that several times, that that's top of mind for them, that mm-hmm. um, as they release new services, they definitely want to have CloudFormation support from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Just a sec, there's something important you need to do. You must have noticed that MobyCast is ad-free, but Chris and John need your help to make this work for everyone. Please help the MobyCast team by giving us five stars on iTunes, writing positive reviews, and telling your colleagues, friends, neighbors, children, and pets about the show. Go ahead and do it now. Great. I promise not to ask you to do that again. Um, Great. So focus, key focus areas for this particular pillar. Um, There's three. Prepare, operate, and evolve. Right? So prepare is, okay, thinking about everything that you know, what needs, what do we have to have in place? What do we need to do in order to be operationally excellent? Operate, like what happens when the surface is actually, the workload's actually running? Um, and then evolve is that, is that learning process, right? Like how are we going to continually improve? So kind of everything in this pillar falls into these, into these three, these three focused areas. So I just want to help our listeners kind of understand the, the outline of, um, of the well-architected framework. It looks like each of these pillars has 
several subpoints, and they're the same for each pillar, right? So there's each pillar has design principles, each pillar has a key service, each pillar has focus areas, each pillar has best practices, and each pillar has key points. Is that right? Yeah. So the um, I think you know less the key points. Um, like the, that's not necessarily a um, part of the big uh, not part of the framework, right? Not but, part of the movie cast. Yeah, so the, so the design, <laughs> the design principles, the focus areas, the key service, those are definitely all part of it. And then best practices are just examples okay. of, of specific action items you can do in each one of those focus areas, right? Um, in order to to achieve the the goals of that particular pillar. And so that that's what we'll be talking as we go through each one of these pillars. We'll absolutely be calling out these these design principles, the focus areas, the key service that um, kind of will the key AWS service that enables this pillar, and then we'll go through some examples of some best practices that would, that you could do. Right on. I guess though, I'm still having a little trouble, and and this is now that I see this written like this. Um, I'm sorry that our users can't see it written like this, but we're talking about this outline that has. Two things in it, design principles and focus areas, that to me feel real overlappy. And I and since design principles is kind of a technical thing that I understand from my education and from my experience, but focus areas is kind of not. It's more like a wishy-washy term in my mind. I don't really know how to store this, right, in my in my mind. And I don't know how to use it because it's like I gotta be thinking about my design principles. No, I can't forget my focus areas. Like there's too much, right? Have you figured out a way to kind of let this rest in your head? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the good news here. I mean, you don't have to um, because right. at the end of the day, this is all going to come down to the well-architected review, uh-huh. and that's going to guide you through all this stuff. Um, okay. So, so you don't. So, like design principles. I mean, these are not exhaustive either, right? In in the well architected framework, they just they call this out specifically just to kind of um, again I think to kind of show like what's important and what's changed now in the cloud native world versus the way things used to be. Right. Um, and these are kind of the kind of things, the kind of action action items that you can get wrap your mind around that you'll be doing. But it's it's absolutely not exhaustive, right? We listed six design principles for operational excellence. And I mean, we could sit here and at a whiteboard and probably come up with 25 um, pretty, pretty easily. Um, so. I mean, just to kind of poke this in the eye a little bit more though, I mean, really this is sort of problematic for me. And I think it's because of my, just the way my brain works. I'm really, I like things to be really specific um, and to work together with each other. And I read this focus areas or I think about focus areas. And in my mind, when I think of a focus area, I think of, okay, well, there's a big, thing of stuff and I want to focus on an area of it. So maybe uh, there's like ways of sending messages around. So my focus area is going to be on message buses or there's, or like, let's take it out of computers. Like there's poverty around the world. I'm going to have my focus area be racial inequality. That's my focus area. Or like I'm a PhD student and I'm in a, I'm a student in biology and my focus area is going to be on RNA. And these focus areas that I'm reading for operational excellence are prepare, operate, evolve. Do you see how that doesn't make sense? Yeah, I mean, think think of the focus areas as just segmentations, right, of the things that you need to be doing and thinking about for the particular pillar, right? So it's just, they really are just like buckets, right? So it's like, how are we going to slice this up into 
categories or subcategories. Uh-huh. And that's what focus areas are, right? So for an operational excellence, it's, I mean, you're either preparing, you're operating, or you're evolving, right? It's a very straightforward way to just like say like these are distinct phases of 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 design development um, in in relation to the to operational excellence. When you just said like phases, I was like, oh yeah, that would have been a, a good term for it. I think it's really I'm just like I'm just kind of angry at at the terminology. And I think it probably came out of somebody trying to make it consistent across things that are not actually the same things. Um, and that happens, right? Like if you, mm-hmm. if you take oranges and apples and you try to talk about, um, you know, like they just like all, like if you try to talk about them in the same exact way, things are just not going to work out. Right. So in this case, operational excellence is a really different thing from security. Um, so yeah, focus areas like for operational excellence like maybe it should talk should have talked about phases and for security maybe focus areas made more sense we have we're not there yet but yeah sorry it really does make it hard for me when the terms don't match the things they refer to it's hard for me to remember things so take that aws yeah yeah so you know for the rest of this just think of focus areas as just like segments um breaking up like just what needs to be done underneath this pillar. Um, okay. And for each one of these, it's going to be a little bit different on how they've, they've broken it up, but they're always going to be called focus areas. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, so uh, some, some, some services that are going to be important for this. So in prepare um, things like um, AWS config um, and AWS config rules um, are, are things that you want to have top of mind. Um, for operate things like CloudWatch and CloudTrail, VPC flow logs, X-Ray. Um, these are all ways to get insight, um, telemetry, and while the system uh, is running. Yeah. yeah. And then um, for Evolve, they they talk about how you know Elasticsearch is pretty important here, and um, also things like CloudWatch insights as well, right? So this is the you know, how do you actually go and search your telemetry um, to gain insights and whatnot so that you can make these 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 changes um, based upon the data um, mm-hmm. and then measure them, right? So um, so just pointing out, like, in the in the well-architected framework, they are listing, like, hey, here's, here's some of the AWS services that, that are particularly going to be useful for this these particular focus areas in this particular pillar. Mm-hmm. And so and the prepare, operate, and evolve kind of maps to deployment types of tools, operational types of tools, and analytical types of tools. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, maybe we can give some some best practices examples um, for some of these focus areas. So starting off with um, prepare. So one of the things best practice definitely um, uh, you want to be, you want to do, right, is implement telemetry. Um, being able to, you know, generate that telemetry and then collect it. And so kind of defining what kind of metrics you want, right? So, and, and this is for various different um, components of your workload. So you want telemetry for your application at an application level, you want it at a workload level, you want it at a user activity level, and then you also want it for your dependencies. Right, and we've um, talked about this before, that telemetry is a fancy word for metrics and that that's what you use if you want to seem cool at software parties. Yes. Um, and see, you'll know, I mean, this is pretty comprehensive, right? Like yeah. application, workload, user activity, dependencies. 
a lot of folks out there, like if they have telemetry just for at the application level, like they've got the checkbox mark, right? They're like mm-hmm. done. And, and that's really like what, a you know, by, I think probably by and large, most workloads out there are doing. So to, to really, this kind of goes back to like the pragmatic approach to this is like how, you know, how much are you going to do of the, of the well-architected framework, right? So it may be, it's absolutely best practice. You have to do it at all of these, these four different levels for collecting um, and analyzing telemetry, but like, does it make, are, are you going to do it, right? Are you actually going to spend the time, the resources, the, the effort to, 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 to go do all this? Yeah, and it's just great to know this stuff so that you can make an informed trade-off decision mm-hmm. instead of, an, you know, kind of an ignorant trade-off decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and that's definitely, again, like the, the thrust of the wealth, wealth architecture framework is to give you everything, right? I mean, this is comprehensive. Yeah. So again, it's like everything yes. you need to go run like Gmail, right? Like mm-hmm. this is it, yeah. right? Everything you need to run DynamoDB, like it is covered. In right. This, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, an example of another best practice in, in the prepare focus area would be implementing transaction traceability, right? Pretty important with, with microservices architecture, being able to, to thread um, a, uh, a user-initiated action all the way through the system as it touches various microservices mm-hmm. um, and having that traceability. So pretty complicated, you know, pretty, pretty sophisticated and, you know, not all, you know, you may not, you may not be doing it, but again, as a best practice, like this is what we would all aspire to. Right. Um, so operate some examples of best practices there. They do talk a lot about uh, run books and playbooks. You know, an example of a best practice here would be like any event for which you raise an alert should have an associated run book entry. Right. And so your run book defines and it will define triggers for escalations um, for when, you know, this particular alert needs to be bumped up a level, like and wake some wake someone up, right, or 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 whatnot. Um, so a runbook is a it documents um, procedures that need to be performed, um, and so these are the things like make a backup of your database, right? Or um, restore a backup of your database or um, encrypt something and place it into a, you know, a secure bucket or something like that. It could be, you know, how to do a rollback um, of a deployment, right? But so the distinction being a run book is about if this happens, this is what you do, right? Um, They're, they're well, well um, defined, events and, and how to deal with them. And right. then a, a playbook is for how do you basically troubleshoot and deal with issues that come up, um, right? So this might be something like you're getting latency in the system at some level. How would you go and, you know, what do you do there? Or, okay. right. Um, and so I know we personally at Kelsis, we, we, We've talked about runbooks, and we we have runbooks. Yeah. We combine both of these aspects to it, right? And I right. think we could probably do better by actually splitting them up, and to really think of them as two separate things, as runbooks and playbooks, and think about like how do we automate more of the runbook mm-hmm. um, actions that need to happen, right? Instead of having this be a manual thing, it also gives a bit more um, structure to it as well, mm-hmm. uh, just from a like what is this, what does this contain in it type thing. So. But, you know, again, as a best practice, like 
if you have an uh, if you have an event that you're going to generate an alert for, well, you better have a runbook entry for it. You know, another best practice in the operate um, focus area is that if the system is impacted, then your users should be notified, right? They should have a way of, mm. of, of knowing that. And so you'll notice like all the, the um, you know, most of the big services out there do this, right? They have status pages. So, you know, right. GitHub or AWS itself or, I mean, just about everyone, you know, the Salesforce, I mean, they all have a status page that you can go see and, you know, is there, are there issues going on? They, they typically will have feeds, you know, maybe like Twitter feeds or whatnot, telling people, letting people know what's going on. Um, so just again, as a best practice, you know, your users should be notified um, if there is, is something going on. I think and, even, the, even the biggest, biggest systems out there don't really do that great a job of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always like a, hmm, I think there's a problem here. Let's go check Twitter and see if everyone agrees kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then people, you know, point to the status page and say things like, oh, it's, not working for me, but the status page is not updated yet. Like that kind of stuff is, yeah. even at the biggest, you know, most famously well-operated companies in the world, that's still a, it's like an aspirational best practice. It is, and it is, and that is really frustrating too when you know there's something wrong and you go to the status page and you're like, no, thumbs up, it's all green. <laughs> right. Like, Come on, like, what, what use is this? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 not easy to get it right, um, mm-hmm. but Again, as a best practice, it's definitely something to aspire to. Yeah. And then some examples in the Evolve focus area, feedback loops. So these help you identify areas for improvement. They help you gauge the impact of changes to the system. Like, so, you know, when you did have this idea and you, this, to this change um, based upon the data that you're seeing and whatnot, like you need to be able to measure it and really ascertain, like, did it actually improve or is it, is it not improving? Is it did it make things worse? Kind of doing things like having regular um, operation operational reviews, right? Where you go and you look at the metrics for a particular period, and you know use these reviews to identify opportunities for like how can we improve? Like what are some of the potential courses of action? And just in general, just sharing lessons learned, right? So you can be talking about like what operational events you had during that period, you know, what the overall um, health of the services, the workloads were, um, how many issues came up and were resolved, all sorts of things. So kind of getting into that, that, um, that diligence of saying, you know, hey, operations is really key. It's important. Um, we do want to have this, this um, constant learning and improvement and so we're gonna we're gonna treat it as a first class citizen and have these these regular reviews of, of our operations. For the smallest team, I can imagine an operational review being kind of reduced down to like even just like a once a month check in, kind of like a hey, what part of running the system do we just hate right now? Like what part is just bothering us? What part do we want to fix so that we don't have to do it manually or fix? little broken threads everywhere every time this happens kind of kind of stuff yeah i mean even just you know an ad hoc thing like that is definitely a step in the right direction and it's actually not too much work to put some data behind to put some data behind that too right so Mm -hmm. it could be something as simple as just measuring in the number of you know bugs that get generated during the course of a you know a certain amount of time or generate how many alerts were or you know um generated during a specific time or how many you know, if you do things like with your logging, emitting a, you know, warning or error levels, like how many of those events happened. And those are all 
you know, pretty easy to, to plug into and, and get data on. And, and they're, they're definitely good um, heuristics for mm-hmm. knowing, you know, just how well you're, you're operating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe just to wrap up with this pillar, then some like really just key points um, are run books, playbooks, make sure you have them, um, document your environments. Um, so multiple different environments, usually for your workloads, you know, dev, stage, prod, um, whatnot. Make your small changes through automation. Um, monitor your workload with business metrics. Practice your response to failures. Um, don't wait for that um, for them to happen. Um, you know, have those game days, and um, have a well-defined escalation management. Right. So, like, know, be very clear about like when something needs to be addressed manually by by a real person versus what can be done in code versus what can be looked at later. So understand like what things should be escalated and, and, and risen up. And again, if you're waking someone up, you better kind of be important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, those are the kinds of things that you don't even really need a well-architected framework to figure out. And that's the stuff that every company that operates software starts to figure out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially if you're the person getting woken up at two thirty in the morning, right? So, exactly. At some point, you got to cry uncle and say, "No, this is, <laughs> this is crazy." Well, there is so much here, Chris. I mean, this is just huge. This uh, well-architected framework, and I, I don't think we can do another pillar today. I don't think so either. I think you know, yeah. this is again. There's a, and we're still just kind of like scratching the surface here. We could. I think, you know, the point I want to stress is that there is just a wealth of information here. I mean, this is based upon, you know, running these very big workloads in, in AWS and everything that goes into it. And so there's a lot of really good information here. Again, you're going to have to figure out like what's, what's applicable to you and what you can implement versus what you can't, but it's, it's a lot of really good information. So yeah, we, we got through one pillar and we got four left. Um, I think, um, you know, this is probably going to end up being like a three-parter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Nobody listens to podcast outros. Why are you still here? Oh, that's right. It's the outro song. Come talk to us at mobicast.fm or on Reddit at r slash mobicast.